you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In this podcast, we're going to talk about Stu Peters defending full-blown white nationalist media outlets, Lance Wallnau praying over a cardboard cutout of Donald Trump, and the QAnon shaman's recent interviews with media outlets. What's QAnon been up to lately anyways? We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemailbag at gmail.com. I've not tested positive for the virus, but Kylie has. The reason that I haven't tested positive is because there are no tests in my area. I was going to get tested because Kylie tested positive. Naturally, I should go get tested too, right, for data purposes? They're charging $300 to test people right now because they're out of tests in New York City, practically. It is nearly impossible to find any tests around, so I'm assuming that I have the virus. I'm acting as though I have the virus. Kylie has been pretty sick. She has an intensely sore throat and a cough and a runny nose and headaches, but she's making it through. Um... So there's that. I've had a headache too, but it's been on and off, and headaches are incredibly rare for me. It's extremely uncommon that I get a headache. So that was my indication that I caught it from her. And I've had some ups and downs, you know, been run down and fatigued and stuff, usually at night when that happens and in the mornings. But otherwise, I feel fine. You know, I'm on here. I feel great, in fact. I don't feel sick at all. So, um, I don't know. Maybe the vaccine helped. I mean, all three of us were vaccinated. Kylie did have a fever for for a short time, but the fever seems to be gone at the moment. Uh, Rose, my wife, she has a fever at this moment, and she's felt pretty down lately. But, yeah, I, I think I'm having this the easiest out of anybody, so that's lucky, I guess. Just in case, though, I got like a month's worth of content written up and produced and released and ready to go in case I have to be on a ventilator for a month or something, and I wrote a will. Just in case, you never know. You never know. So anyways, I I, I think things are going to be just fine, but uh, yeah, that's the situation if anybody was wondering. Alexis Sick, damn, how are Kylie and Rose? Kylie has a sniffly nose, a runny nose, a cough, a wicked sore throat. And she was having bad headaches the other day, too. Intolerably bad headaches. But she seems okay. She's making it. She doesn't need to be hospitalized. It's just a really rough illness right now. Timeline-wise, she started showing symptoms on Monday. And that means she must have caught it at least two days before, right? Saturday? We never went indoors anywhere. We never went inside, but on Saturday or maybe Friday, we did go to a park. That's the only place we went. It was to a park. We wore masks the whole time and all that other stuff, so I'm really not sure where we would have caught it from. It's hard to know. But anyway, she showed symptoms on Monday. That means she was contagious. You can be contagious, I believe, up to two days before you show symptoms. But certainly by the time you're showing them, you are contagious, right? That was on Monday for Kylie. So she's been spreading it to me since Monday. Incubation can take two to 14 days, I think, before I would start showing symptoms. So it's been six days, basically. It's been six days since 
she was showing symptoms, I would have been exposed to it. So I'm six days into incubation, I guess. I'm hoping that's a good sign that I'm not going to have a bad time of it. Just hope for the best. As far as Rose goes, she is she has a fever. She's got a cough. Um, she's been run down and fatigued and tired a lot. Um, all that stuff. She's having a rough go of it too. So yeah, they're both having a rough go. I seem to be okay at the moment. Riley Mason's, I have COVID. It gave me laryngitis and sniffles. Damn, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Scary stuff, man. Really scary stuff. But I think we'll make it out okay. Just hope for the best. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hey, Owen. This is Hannah. That ding has changed. It doesn't sound like a truck backing up anymore. It sounds like a truck backing up for the normal audience, but not for the people calling in. But the joke stands. I like the joke anyway, so I'll keep it. Shame on you for saying it sounds like a truck. Anyway, I was just curious. I finished watching your uh, Caleb and Sophia video, and how does someone who's a Jehovah's Witness get a position in the animation studio or, you know, acting for the other propaganda videos they make? Um, and also, is it required? Thanks. Bye. I assume when you ask, is it required, you mean, is it required to be a Jehovah's Witness? And the answer is yes, you have to be a Jehovah's Witness to do this. Basically, they have this headquarters they call Bethel. I'm trying to think of how to describe this. Going to Bethel is like the greatest honor that one could have bestowed upon them. You're chosen to go to Bethel from the congregations, and you apply to get in and stuff. It's like going to a military academy almost or like a college or something you actually leave your town and you move into the headquarters they have like rooms they're dorms they have dorms with beds and everything and you live in the dorms it's basically their cult compound and that's where they have their writing department where they have writers create the magazines that they pass out to people they have their translation department where they do like bible translation stuff just they have everything there their animation section and everything voice acting the whole nine yards so basically the people who do caleb and sophia were chosen to go to Bethel. They probably applied and were picked to go there, and they live there on the compound. And they most likely knew some animation stuff beforehand. They were given this job because of the skill set that they already had. They went in there and created a whole cartoon for children. They had voice actors go in and act and everything else. And over the years, you can see their animation skills improve. You can look at older episodes and watch them get better and better over time. Uh, the scripting, the voice acting, the animation, all of it. It's all done in-house by Jehovah's Witnesses. And uh, that makes it that much more impressive, in my opinion. It's like Pixar level animation in some cases. And it's so sad to know that these people's skills are being wasted on propaganda. Really, really sad. Hey, Owen. This is Thomas from Virginia. Huge fan of the show. So lately, I've been watching a lot of your videos on Jehovah's Witnesses, as well as um, Lloyd Evans's channel. And I've come across some JW terms that 
I find kind of confusing. So I was wondering if you could just explain what a pioneer is. Uh, let me pause there because there are a few questions. So a pioneer effectively signs a contract to get a certain number of hours door knocking per month. It's changed over the years. I don't know what it is now. I think it used to be 60 hours when I was younger, back in like 2009 or somewhere in there. They would agree to get 60 hours per month of door knocking. They can also get those hours by writing letters and mailing them to people or going on Twitter and sending messages to people about Jehovah, whatever, as long as you're spreading the good news, quote unquote, as they call it. So a pioneer would be 60 hours, I think. A special pioneer, I, I believe, is 70 hours. Don't quote me on that. Somebody in the comments can correct me. Like I said, that changed uh, at various points in time, so it may be completely different now. So Pioneer is 60, Special Pioneer I think used to be 70, and an Auxiliary Pioneer at least used to be 50 hours. The difference between Pioneer and Special Pioneer is one of them just gets more hours, and Pioneers and Special Pioneers both agree to do it for a period of 12 consecutive months. The difference between Pioneer and Auxiliary Pioneer is an Auxiliary Pioneer agrees to do it for one month. So if you're auxiliary, you're just starting out in this, you get 50 hours for one month. If you're a pioneer, you've been doing this for a long time, you agree to get 60 hours for 12 months consecutively. That's basically what they are. Let's listen to the next section here. Next set of questions. Explain what a pioneer is, what auxiliary pioneering is. That's where they sign up for one month for 50 hours, last I checked. And what Bethelites are? Bethelites, I talked about this in the last voicemail. It's basically just people who agree to go to their cult compound for a period of time. You know, you go there and basically enlist, for lack of a better term, and they put you to work. Whether you're in the writing department or the animation department or the voice acting department or, or anything. I mean, they have janitors there, too. They have room cleaners they have people who do the laundry and do the dishes and they have cooks and and the whole nine yards it's an entire living facility enclosed from the outside world and independent they never have to leave the building if they don't want they get food deliveries and, and all of the other stuff and they just live and work in this building this headquarters basically 24 7. that's what a basilite is um, that would kind of be a huge help because I hear about these terms all the time and I don't exactly know what they're referring to. Thanks. Love the show. Bye. Yeah, there are a lot of um, loaded words, a lot of loaded language and cliches and stuff like that within the Jehovah's Witness organization. Within a lot of cults, there are, there's a lot of this type of language that, that's very specific to the organization that you don't really fully understand unless you're on the inside and have worked with these people and used it in your everyday language. So hopefully that helped a little bit. Hopefully I explained well enough. Hello, Owen. My name is Cy. I usually agree with you on everything. I am a rabid atheist also, and I loathe Joel Osteen. But I think the guy should have been fired. Joel Osteen went into a restaurant, gave them money as a patron, 
and an employee of the restaurant on a clock yet calls him an asshole or calls him a piece of shit, he should have been fired. It's one thing if somebody on the street insults Joel, and then he would find out where the guy is and had him fired. That would be awful. But if I went into a restaurant and was called a jerk by the, somebody there, I would have them fired also. So I just disagree with whoever is uh, on your side here. Still love your show. Bye-bye. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think I agree with you on that. Um, I wasn't really a huge fan of the way all of that played out. I wasn't a fan of the fact that he went up there and said that to Joel Osteen and the way that it all happened and, and all of that other stuff. Um, I think I agree with you on that point. If I went up to one of the patrons and said some shit like that, I wouldn't expect to continue getting paid from them. So I think I agree with you on that point. If you guys are unclear about what he's talking about, let me just refresh your memory. He's referring to this video clip. It went viral not too long ago. Uh, basically, Joel Osteen went to a restaurant, came across this guy in the parking lot as he was leaving. This guy was one of the employees at the restaurant, and he comes out and he asks for a picture with Joel Osteen because Joel Osteen had been taking pictures with other people at the restaurant before, so he decided he would give this guy a picture too and watch what happens next. Keep with Joel Osteen. Hey man, you know you're a piece of shit, right? <laughs> you know, right? Right? Come on, yeah, you know. You know, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know. Take care, folks. He knows. Okay, so that happened. And shortly after that, the guy, the same guy that took that picture, he gets on his TikTok account and he posts a new video. Check this one out. Hey, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for all the support on the video. I did not expect it to blow up this much. And with all that attention, I got fired this morning. So if anyone wants to buy me that beer, now would be a great time. So um, the argument from the voicemail caller is that he probably should have been fired for that because, you know, he went up to a patron of the restaurant and basically called him a piece of shit. Anybody calling anybody a piece of shit like that while on the clock, which that guy was, maybe deserves to get fired for that. I mean, that's not really something you do. Go up to a patron of your restaurant and call them a piece of shit. Not really a good move. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think I agree with you on that. I, I, I have no qualms with your position on that. Hey, Owen, what's up? Listen, you probably know that Matt Dillahunty of the Atheist Experience uh, just had open-heart surgery. He was only in the hospital three days, and now he come home with a speedy recovery, which I'm glad to see. But I can't wait to watch the atheist experience and hear some caller call in and say it was something like it was God that saved him or shit like that. Yeah, you know what's going to happen? That's going to get Matt Dillahunty's heart beating. He's going to get his blood pumping over that, get pissed off. I hope he keeps it under control for real, for his own health. Well, last I heard, he was having stints put in. When I was maybe 13 or 14, somewhere in there. Maybe I was 15. I don't remember how, how old I was. Anyways, my dad actually needed heart surgery desperately, and he refused to take a blood transfusion. He said that he wouldn't have the surgery if it meant taking a blood transfusion. And no doctors would operate on him as a result. No doctors would operate on him for that. We had kind of accepted that my dad was going to die as a result when I was in my 
early teens. It was either right before or right after I got baptized. So I think I may have been 15. I think I was about 15 or just before I turned 15. Anyways, I remember sitting there reading the Organized to Do God's Will book in the hospital room accepting the fact that my dad was going to die. I knew it was going to happen because he was, you know, he was standing up for Jehovah or whatever. And then a doctor appeared and said he was willing to do an operation. He's willing to put stents in for my dad instead of doing full open heart surgery. And we viewed that as like a sign from Jehovah that he wanted my dad to live and he was helping us out and he was answering our prayers, blah, blah, blah. Looking back on that, it's sad in so many different ways. But yeah, the guy put stints in my dad and eventually my dad had to get full-blown open-heart quadruple bypass surgery. But I guess that kind of strengthened my faith at the time. But when I heard that Matt was getting stints put in, I knew how serious it was because my dad had to deal with that when I was a kid and I remember believing that he was going to die at the time. I am glad that he came out okay. I don't want anybody to die. I feel like human life is precious in all forms, the most important and valuable thing in the universe. So I'm glad he came out of that okay. And hopefully he keeps his his anger under control. I know he's got a short fuse on the atheist experience sometimes. Gotta keep the gotta keep the ticker healthy, if you will. Yeah, this is Derek in Kansas. I was wondering what books would you recommend uh for debunking the Bible, pointing out mistranslations and just other kind of errors like that. Um anyway, appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call. Interesting question. I have a couple of suggestions for you. There's the Skeptic's Annotated Bible, for one thing. If that doesn't grab your fancy, if if you will, I, I'm looking for a, a specific website real quick. Hold on. This used to be on bibviz.com. Now, I guess that's shut down, and the source code for it was resurrected and put on lyingforjesus.org slash Bible Contradictions. Absolutely incredible piece of software. I don't know who wrote it. I have no idea, but it's absolutely amazing. Uh, You can choose the Skeptics Annotated Bible, infidels.org, or Evil Bible, apparently, and you can just go through every one of these lines. You can see me hovering over each one. You just click one, any. Click any of them. It'll bring you to the contradiction, Does God Lie?, and each verse that contradicts it. So we've got, no, God cannot and does not lie. That one cited at Numbers 23, 19, 1 Samuel 15, 29, 2 Samuel 7, 28, I mean, a bunch of others. And then, yes, God lies by proxy. He sends prophets or lying spirits to deceive. That can be found at 1 Kings 22, 23. 2 Chronicles 18, 22, Jeremiah 4, 10. This tool is so incredibly useful. My God, I'm so glad that it survived uh, after BibViz got shut down. Anyways, yeah, it, just go to this website and check it out, lyingforjesus.org slash Bible dash contradictions. Absolutely incredible. It's actually lyingforjesus.org slash Bible with a capital B dash contradictions with a capital C. If you don't capitalize Bible and contradictions, then it'll take you to the wrong place. Just check the description for a link to it.
You can look at a whole list of them. It's interactive is what makes it even better. I love this fucking thing. Anyway, hopefully that answered your question. Just go there and check it out and play around with it. It's a really cool piece of uh, software, in my opinion. The next voicemail wasn't really a voicemail. It was an email I got from somebody, a guy by the name of Flowerland of John. He had a YouTube channel. He sent me this video he wanted me to take a look at. This is Phil Robertson, 2014. I don't know if you guys remember Duck Dynasty, but this Phil Robertson guy was one of the people on Duck Dynasty, one of the top people. To give you a general summary of what happened, Phil Robertson's family invented a new duck whistle, apparently, and the duck whistle got really, really popular, and now they're millionaires, pretty much. And some TV network decided to do, like, a TV show for them. It ran for a bunch of seasons. In this video, he's talking about Muslims in the Middle East, the people that we were fighting a war against, basically. Check it out. In this case, you either have to convert them, which I think is uh, would be next to impossible. I'm not giving up on them, but I'm just saying either convert them or kill them, one or the other. Wow, that's some shit, huh? This dude believes that in the Middle East, we either have to convert these people from Islam to Christianity or get rid of them. Holy shit. And, and Sean Hannity is on here putting him on stage to say this shit. This clip was presumably curated from a set of clips from this interview. Sean Hannity seemed to believe that this clip here was worthy of going out to a televised audience. Now check it out, 2015. This is a year later. See what he had to say. After all I can say is uh, love God and love your neighbor. Islam will say submit to Muhammad or we will kill you. That's the difference in the two right there. Convert, so, convert, or, die. convert or die. Isn't that interesting? We all know that hypocrisy runs deep in people like this. Deep. And the reason that it runs so deep is because it isn't about principle. It's not about principle. It's not about what, what's moral, what matters. It's not about the right thing. It's about hurting your enemies and nothing more. That is the number one sign that you are using a cult-like mindset, that you're in a cult of some sort. An us versus them, good versus evil attitude. Destroy your enemy at any cost. If they aren't going to be like you, then they don't deserve to live. That is what this is all about. That's what this guy is all about. It's absolutely disgusting. Next, we're going to talk about Stu Peters defending full-blown white nationalist media outlets. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Stu Peters. So he's been doing some weird stuff lately, to say the least. I've talked about him before, but I wanted to give you a little bit of a refresher on who he is. I wanted to show you this clip. It's from early December 2021. 
Check this out. It's with Deanna Lorraine. I wouldn't be surprised if this so-called cold, the virus, the flu that I have right now was a targeted attack on me. Do you, do you speculate that some of that might be going on as well? A targeted attack? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, like, the I, I guess he's caught coronavirus. Um, not funny. I believe that I have coronavirus at this moment currently. I don't want anybody to get hurt or die or suffer at all, anybody. I think human life is the most valuable thing in the entire universe, so don't consider that funny, but I do think it's fucking hilarious that he believes that this was a targeted attack against him by the deep state. And it seems to me like Deanna Lorraine is having a little bit of trouble trouble buying this. Listen to her voice when she says this. A targeted attack? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, like the bio... <laughs> Does she fully buy this, do you think? I'm not 100% sure. I mean, she's a propagandist, so she doesn't have to fully buy anything to go along with it. The sociopath yes. Tony Fauci, when he chimerically engineered this taxpayer-funded uh, lab-originated, intentionally released Wuhan China virus. How many buzzwords can you fit in there, uh, Mr. Stu Peters? Basically, everything he said was a lie. Most of my viewers probably know that. I just want to put it on record so everybody is aware um, in case you're coming into my channel for the first time or something. All of that was bullshit. Basically, every single word out of his mouth just now was bullshit. That could probably be used against people automatically. I mean, people, Republicans, conservatives, talk show host people being yeah. targeted with this virus, right? I mean, don't you think? So well, they can paint these, this picture, this paint the picture about, oh, well, he, Stu Peters got the coronavirus. He did it to himself because he's not vaccinated. Right. Yeah, you don't think that there's a possibility that maybe the reason that you caught it was because you weren't being careful? The CDC, I mean, just think this through for a second. The CDC has given us guidelines, and it's not just the U.S. CDC. China's been giving the same guidelines to their people. So is the U.K., so is Australia, so is Canada, so is everybody. Worldwide, the guidelines are wear masks, be careful, social distance, six feet apart if possible, and get vaccinated if you can. Those are the guidelines. That's not just one corrupt country, if that's how you want to view it. That's how pathogens work. You should have learned about this stuff in sixth grade at least the very basics of it. And he's sitting here like distrusting the most basic shit. It blows my fucking mind. And somehow he's drawn the conclusion that it's not because he wasn't being careful. It's not because he didn't get vaccinated. It's not because he didn't wear a mask. It's not because he didn't social distance. It's because he was targeted because people don't like him. As if people give a shit, honestly give a shit about him at all. You know what Russia did, actually? Uh, do you guys remember um, Alexei Navalny? You remember him? Navalny? The dude was, like, super careful, would, like, change hotel rooms in the middle of the night and stuff like that because he believed that Putin was on to him and was trying to, like, kill him. And guess what? One day on a plane, it turns out he had been poisoned. And then he got a recording of the person that did the poisoning, he got the guy on voice recording admitting to it. You would think if they were going to infect him with something, it would just be a poison, right? Why the virus of all things? I'm trying to work my way through this situation logically, and there's just no logic to be had here.
last week with the World Economic Forum uh, launching this bubble gun that you can just, you just point a gun basically and someone gets a vaccine. I'm sure that they have the power to, you know, target somebody to get COVID. You know, if they actually had this bubble gun, quote unquote, as they're describing it, and it actually functioned and it wasn't like this sci-fi fantasy, then they wouldn't have to ask people to get vaccinated in the first place, right? They just go around you know, popping vaccines into people. I understand that this technology is being researched right now or some form of this technology, but it's not like the kind of thing where you stand 20 feet away and you just pull the trigger and now people are vaccinated. It does not work that way. That is just a fantasy that she's concocted in her mind. I mean, they wouldn't even have to ask people to get vaccinated in the first place if that if this was a reality. It's just feeding into the conspiracy theories that she and Stu Peters like to prattle on about, for lack of a better term. You just point a gun basically and someone gets a vaccine. I'm sure that they have the power to, you know, target somebody to get COVID. All of the very prominent Republicans and people who have been outspoken against vaccines, um, pastors, etc., Suddenly they come down with a bad case of COVID and it makes the news, you know, anti-vaxxer, anti-masker pastor comes down with COVID. It's all too suspicious. And I absolutely think people are being targeted. Well, would- yeah. Do you think it's a possibility that maybe there's just a worldwide pandemic happening? I mean, if this was like a localized situation to the United States, then I, I guess I could be a little bit closer to understanding their situation or their mindset here. But Every country in the world is dealing with this right now, even like tiny countries, even little itty bitty guys that aren't really involved in like the United Nations or trade deals with bigger countries or whatever else like tiny countries are dealing with this. Everybody is. I just don't see how they can sit here and logic their way into this position. Honestly, they're not using logic at all. There's no logic involved here. They have a conclusion that they start from and they work backwards from there. So anyways, that's Stu Peters. That's the kind of person that we're dealing with right now. I just wanted to give you guys a refresher on him before we move on to the next clip that I have from him. Check this one out. This one is from late December 2021. So last one was from early December. This one's from late December. Uh, I think this is immediately before Christmas, based on the fact that there's a Christmas tree in the background. So give this one a listen. He's uh, he's talking to his supporters right now. There's a lot of people here that we're about to arm with this information. And don't let me arm with disinformation, you say? Yeah, definitely. 100% agree with you on that one. I, I know. I mean, you've been doing that for a long time. That we're about to arm with this information. And don't let me get into the parts of the Constitution about how we're just gonna come and arrest these people. So they have the opportunity to repent and to back away from the conspiracy, to get out of the criminal conspiracy, to smother our rights, and then they can save themselves. But we're turning this up to full tilt now. For anybody who's saying, oh, that's never gonna work, get out of here, beat it, nerd. I don't want to, I don't want to see it, I don't want to hear it. And for everybody that's always been saying all along, nothing's ever gonna happen. No, we're gonna make it happen because the people's will is the law, period. So I hope that you soldiers are ready to go to battle. 
We have been armed with information. We have put a team together of people. Actually, God has put a team of people together. Okay, let me give you a basic summary of what he's saying. He, he's basically saying that there's a conspiracy happening in the world right now in the United States. And if people don't stop feeding into that conspiracy, like if the people at the top don't stop, like, you know, the deep state doesn't stop their stuff, then he's going to get his soldiers together and do something about it. That's what he's saying. That's his whole premise here behind this video. I think what he's talking about right now is not just COVID restrictions, but like vaccination and vaccine mandates and all that other stuff. He's got this really weird obsession with this stuff. But he's almost dog-whistling to QAnon. I've never heard him come out and endorse explicitly QAnon. But I do hear him say a lot of QAnon messaging a lot of the time. What he's kind of talking about right now is the storm. I'll tell you what, why don't I just show you what a real QAnon member has to say about the storm. This is an actual QAnon member, incredibly high up in the QAnon movement, actually. He goes by the praying medic. His name is Dave Hayes. He's the guy on the right here, the bigger, bald guy. This is him telling us that this is what's going to happen when the storm hits. This video came out May 2019, so what he's describing, he believes was going to happen between May 2019 and May 2020. Give it a listen real fast. Q has often said, especially over the last six months, this is going to be the end of the D party. The end of the Democrat party. Okay, now, if you are, you know, average person listening, watching Q, like, what do you mean the end of the Democrat party? The Democrat party is not going to end. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I'm going to explain to you how the Democrat Party is going to end. Okay, now he's going to describe exactly what they believe the storm is. For lack of a better term, the storm is basically like QAnon's end times prophecy. What we are going to see in the next year unrolled is likely hundreds of members of Congress, most of them Democrats, some Republicans, all right, they're going to be arrested and they're going to be prosecuted for corruption. Q said that people in Congress were warned the storm is coming and they were told if you are playing the game and you are in Congress when the storm hits you're going to be prosecuted. So basically the storm is the idea that like a bunch of people at the top congressmen and others not just political actors but other people at the top who are involved in the cabal as they call it they're going to be toppled they're going they're going to be mass arrests and they believed that Donald Trump was going to be at the head of the storm he's going to be the one pushing this forward he's going to be the one telling the military specifically to arrest these people and they also believe that there were going to be mass executions following that. Completely disconnected from reality. There is no basis for any of that. But I, I will tell you this. They believed that January 6th was going to be the storm before it happened. They believed that that's what it was going to be. They believed they were going to get into the Capitol and arrest these people and perform mass executions. That's what they were shooting for. That's why they erected gallows out back. That's why they had zip-tie handcuffs with them. That's why they had guns and all that other stuff on January 6th. 
They believed that it was going to be the storm. Despite the fact that their attack failed, Dave Hayes specifically claims currently, now, to this day, that the storm is still coming. It's on its way. He believes that it's still going to happen, despite the fact that January 6th was supposed to be the storm. So what Stu Peters is talking about here is a new storm. He released this video in late December, around Christmas 2021, a year after January 6th took place. Let's keep listening. Of people, actually God has put a team of people together that have the contact information, the technology, the know-how, the knowledge, the wherewithal, and the platforms to make this happen on a huge scale. On a huge scale. I hope you're ready and I hope you're excited. If we don't want Dominion, then we take dominion away. This guy lives in a delusion, really. He lives in a delusion. If you're unfamiliar with dominion, uh, around the time of the 2020 election, there were a bunch of claims about dominion voting systems. They're just these paper counters, basically. You put the ballots in this counter and it checks the, it's like a Scantron. You just put it in the Scantron and it checks the circles and it tallies it up and then gives you a final number. And there were a bunch of, conspiracy theories which were 100% completely untrue that Dominion voting systems rigged the votes and blah 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 just all the same shit that we'd been hearing for you know the entire election season so he's saying here if we don't want Dominion we just get rid of Dominion because we are the people and we make the decisions for the government and blah 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 then we take Dominion away we the people if we don't like a certain set of laws or legislation then we alter it yeah that's called democracy it's called democracy have you heard that word are you in favor of that word Stu peters because from my vantage point it looks like you aren't in support of democracy the things that you've said on your program the movements that you've supported the people that you've had on as guests do not tell me that you're in favor of democracy I have to tell you, it looks a hell of a lot like you're in favor of toppling the U.S. government right now and replacing it with a dictatorship that can change it to what you want it to be. A certain set of laws or legislation, then we alter it or dissolve it. If we don't like a certain way that government is set up, then we alter it or abolish it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you now is go time. Yeah, now he's, as far as I can tell, he's just coming out and saying he wants to get rid of the democratic system. He wants to dissolve the system that we're currently using right now and put in a new system. The closest form of government that we're at today is a dictatorship versus democracy. It seems to me like it's between those two options right now. Obviously, there are a bunch of different government options. I mean, you can have all kinds of different things set up as far as the government goes. But the two that we're battling between right now in the U.S. are democracy and dictatorship. So I guess he wants to dissolve democracy. That's kind of what I'm picking up from his speech here. He was referring to them as soldiers a minute ago. He was saying we need to be ready. Are you guys ready, soldiers? So I hope that you soldiers are ready to go to battle. That's the kind of language that I would expect to hear from somebody who's trying to dissolve or abolish, his words, not mine, democracy, and install a dictatorship. 
That's fucking concerning. I don't know how else to take this message that he left us. There's another clip I wanted to cover by this guy, but before I cover the clip, I want to talk about something. I want to talk about this media outlet, if you will. It's called VDARE. I don't know that I would call it a media outlet. It's more of a propaganda outlet, but this is on the Southern Poverty Law Center website. They have a section about VDARE, okay? Let's give this a read uh, and see what it has to say about VDARE. Originally established in 1999 by the Center for American Unity, a Virginia-based nonprofit foundation started by English immigrant Peter Brimlow, VDARE.com is an anti-immigration hate website dedicated to preserving our historical unity as Americans into the 21st century. Now run by the VDARE Foundation, the site is a place where relatively intellectually inclined leaders of the anti-immigrant movement share their opinions. VDARE.com also regularly publishes articles by prominent white nationalists, race scientists, and anti-Semites. In its own words, here's a quote from VDARE themselves, but there's no doubt that something in that book got to President Donald Trump because the way his speech was set up. His announcement speech went to the question of Hispanic crime, specifically the R-word, and Ann Coulter's book is a very powerful statement of the fact that crime in this country is ethnically variegated. There's ethnic specialization in crime, and Hispanics do specialize in R-word, particularly of children. They're very prone to it compared to other groups. Peter Brimlow on President Trump's immigration policies at the American Renaissance Conference 2017. Of course, Peter Brimlow, as I mentioned, is the person who started VDARE. Here's another quote. Sam Francis, VDARE.com, July 21st, 2003. America was defined almost explicitly, sometimes very explicitly, as a white nation for white people, and what that means is that there's virtually no figure, no law, no policy, no event in the history of the old white America that can survive the transition to the new and non-white version. Whether we'll want to call the new updated version America at all is another question entirely. It's a white nationalist outlet. I mean, there's no way of getting around that. That's what VDARE is. Jewish activity collectively throughout history is best understood as an elaborate and highly successful group competitive strategy directed against neighboring peoples and host societies. Referring to host societies in the context of Jewish minorities almost makes them out to be parasites. It's like they're framing the Jewish communities as parasites on the countries that they live in. The verbiage that they use in this is pure propaganda. It's 100% propaganda. The objective has been control of economic resources and political power. One example, overwhelming Jewish support for non-traditional immigration, which has the effect of weakening America's historic white majority. Kevin McDonald, VDARE.com, November 14th, 2006. So this has been going on for a long, long time. That's who VDARE is. I wanted to give you an idea before we continue to the next clip. Watch this one. Early January 2022, Stu Peters. VDARE publishes brilliant writers and thinkers that conservative outlets are too cowardly to give a platform to. Steve Saylor. Michelle Malkin, Ann Coulter, and a whole lot more. Some contributors have no choice but to use a pseudonym is if they were dissidents in the USSR. That's because they're white supremacists and they are full-blown, unadulterated racists. I hope that people worry about losing their jobs and their status in society if they publish views like that. That is fucking 
unhinged to believe that being white is the best and America needs to be white and only white and everybody else needs to get out. What the fuck is going through these people's heads? Seriously. And what's going through Stu Peter's head that he decided it was a good fucking idea to endorse this website? If VDare were allowed to spread their message without being silenced or censored or shouted down... They are free to spread their message. They aren't silenced or censored. Shouted down, I guess. I mean, I, I hadn't even heard of VDare before recently. Maybe their message just isn't that popular. In fact, maybe he's trying to make it more popular in the U.S. right now. Or shouted down, they would have massive support from Americans of all backgrounds. And that's precisely why so many people desperately do not want them to spread their message. They're perfectly free to spread their message, just like me, just like anybody else. We're all equals in this society and we can all say whatever the fuck we want according to freedom of speech look at alex jones he was removed from every platform everywhere he's removed from itunes from spotify from youtube from all of it he was taken off of everything and what did he do he did the equivalent of go out and stand on the town square which is to create his own website and upload his videos there that's what alex jones did as a response to being censored. And he's not small. InfoWars still exists and still uploads stuff and it's still bringing in money. Censorship can only do so much in this society. You're still more than welcome to go stand in the public square and scream it. You're still welcome to go on your own website and say whatever you want. And there's nothing anybody can do to stop you. That is the free market, baby. And that's what VDare does, basically. VDare has their own website where they talk about whatever they want, and it just so happens to be white nationalist extremist content. Okay, but that's not censorship. I mean, they're just standing out there yelling into the void, and that's fine. If people want to listen, they're more than welcome to listen. It's just people don't want to, apparently. I highly recommend that you go to vdare.com. Great publication, all kinds of insight, really brilliant people writing over there. Tell me this dude is not a white supremacist. Tell me this dude's not a white nationalist. Seriously. How can you endorse something like VDARE? I should go into a deeper dive into what VDARE is all about. I read some quotes from the founders, but I should really talk about what they are in more detail. If you're interested, you can read about them, VDARE, on splcenter.org, the Southern Poverty Law Center website. It's an interesting read, for sure, but it's incredibly concerning that we have real media figures out there endorsing this kind of shit. What is going through his head? I'll tell you what's going through his head, having a white America, that's what. Next, we're going to talk about Lance Wallnau praying over a cardboard cutout of Donald Trump. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. I've talked about Lance Wallnau a few times before, but I want to talk about him again because he just said the strangest shit recently. So I wanted to take a look at his latest clip, but before we do, 
Let's take a look at this one from mid-October 2020. This is right before the election took place. Let's see where he stood on the subject of the election. I believe Donald Trump has unfinished business in the nations. And I believe you will not let someone who has stood with Israel and stood with Christians, you will not let them be ingloriously beaten and embarrassed by your enemies. Yeah, so he was one of those people. He was one of those Trumpist extremist pastors, if you will. Lance Wallnow is actually what one would call a dominionist, a Seven Mountains dominionist, as a matter of fact. I don't know if you've heard that term, but the idea behind Seven Mountains dominionism is they want to control public life in seven different ways, and they believe if they can gain control over these seven different aspects of life in this society, they will control the society. It's kind of like a Christian ideology, if you will. That's probably the, the closest word that describes what Seven Mountains Mandate is. Let me give you the definition of dominionism real quick. It, it's basically these three different things, okay? Dominionists celebrate Christian nationalism and that they believe that the U.S. once was and should once again be a Christian nation. In this way, they deny the Enlightenment roots of American democracy. That's number one, okay? Number two criteria to be a dominionist. Dominionists promote religious supremacy insofar as they generally don't respect the equality of other religions or even other versions of Christianity. That right there should be reason enough for Christians to reject Christian nationalism in the U.S. because dominionists currently are the closest that Christianity has gotten to controlling the government. Dominionists are at the top of the government right now. Like, for example, Lance Wallnow, extremely influential Christian politically. Extremely influential. He knows Donald Trump and people surrounding Donald Trump. He has a lot of influence as a dominionist. Okay, so that was number two. Let's take a look at number three criteria to be a dominionist. Dominionists endorse theocratic visions insofar as they believe that the Ten Commandments, or biblical law, should be the foundation of American law, and that the U.S. Constitution should be seen as a vehicle for implementing biblical principles. That is what a dominionist is. Now, there's another level of dominionism called the Seven Mountains Mandate. And the belief with the Seven Mountains mandate is that they want to get their people at the top of these seven subsections of society. They want to get dominionists at the top of religion. If they can get dominionists in every pew, in every pastor's job in the country, that's their goal. Or at least at the top of the heap so that the most famous ones, televangelists for example, are dominionists. And as a matter of fact, they've largely succeeded in that respect. Education, family, business, government slash military, arts slash entertainment, and media. They want dominionist people. They want extremist Christians, their brand of extremists, at the top of each of these things. If they can get them to the top of the government, get them to the top of the military, get them to the top of all of the schools in America, the top of the arts and entertainment industry, get them to the top of the news networks, have the most control over businesses, all of this other stuff. If they can control these seven areas of society, then they believe they can control society. They don't need to convert everybody. 
They just need to get their people to the top of these seven sections of society, and then they can control everything from there. That's the idea behind Seven Mountains Dominionism, okay? Seven Mountains Mandate. And that is what Lance Wall now is. He is famous for being the face of Seven Mountains Dominionism. So let's continue listening to this clip. Like I said, October 2020, right before the election when this came out. Because your name is part of this, Lord. What will the heathens say? What will the radicals say? What will the communists say when someone who stands with you so conspicuously is that does not have a friend in high places watching over them? But I believe you are going to watch over this president. Wow, this dude had some iron balls to come out there and say something like that. This is effectively a prophecy that he was making here. This is effectively a prophecy that God was going to put Donald Trump in office in 2020, right? If he didn't feel 100% sure that Trump was going to be put back in as president, all the things that he's saying right now would come back to bite him in the ass, and he wouldn't have said them. This is pretty on the nose right here, some of the shit he's saying. Can you believe this dude came out and said some of this shit, and then Trump lost? Oh my God. Check this one out. This clip's from early June 2021. Just to put on record exactly who he is, I want to give you guys a good idea. People say, oh, Lance, I don't know. You sound like a Christian nationalist. Yes, I am a Christian nationalist. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Christian nationalism or the Christian nationalist movement specifically within the United States, but the idea is they want to control the United States in every way. If you aren't a Christian, you don't belong in the United States. The more moderate end of this extremist ideology is you deport people if they won't convert to your brand of Christianity. I don't mean vanilla Christianity. I mean their brand of it, their extremist brand. If you don't convert, then you get deported. That's the vanilla version of Christian nationalism. The extreme side of this already extreme ideology is you get rid of them by any means necessary. I don't know where Lance Wall now falls on that, but I do know that he is determined to control the United States at any cost. Let's keep listening. And I will take the flag that God gave us with his blessed freedom and blessed government and blessed nation, and I will take that flag and lead them to the cross. Give me the flag and I'll carry it all the way to Calvary and I'll plant it there where the cross is and say, there's the one that gave you the nation. There's the only one that can save this nation. We've got to give our lives to Jesus. Okay, you thought that was weird though. Check this one out. Early January, 2022, this one just came out. This guy is literally praying over a cardboard cutout of Donald Trump. In January 2022, a year after the dude left office. I pray for this man. Lord, I pray you take the smell of smoke, the disappointment, the bitterness, the anger, the feeling of betrayal and loss. It must be a terrible thing, Lord, to, 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 to actually feel as though you've been stolen in an election and that the nation that you love is, is suffering with it. But I'm asking you, Lord, I'm asking, it's fine, I just found a flag here i didn't know I are you fucking kidding me you're looking around at your stuff while you're saying a prayer what is wrong with you get back to god he's waiting I had this I'll bring that out i pray lord that you'll take the smoke away but you'll give him a revelation that he is nothing but an instrument of yours and that as an instrument 
you have your hand on him so that, Lord, he won't be moving in anger or bitterness or, or, or rage, but you'll take that away from him and show him that he's but an instrument and that he's being used by the hand of providence. This is so fucking cringy. Why does he even have a cardboard cutout of Donald Trump, really? Why does he have this in his little fucking study or whatever it is here? I pray that you would indeed use him as a hand of providence. Oh, dude, this guy's house is like a wreck. Look at this shit. He's got clothes all over his chair and his desk is a mess. What is going on in this dude's house? Use him as a hand of providence comes upon him and take from him the angst and the bitterness. And I'm praying now also, I'm seeing something great happen with uh, the fellow whose show is right before mine on Saturday, Steve Bannon. I see God doing a work in him. I want you guys to pray for, for, for Brother Steve. He's been doing his Christmas music and talking about our Lord Jesus Christ and talking about the Great Awakening and the Fourth Turning. Great Awakening, of course, is kind of a QAnon dog whistle. Um, sure, you guys have probably heard that before, but the Great Awakening is this, this whole thing QAnon believes going to happen to America and then the storm will happen, blah, blah, blah. Actually, I think the QAnon book may have been named the Great Awakening. I forget what it was named now, but anyways, yeah, that's a QAnon dog whistle. He was probably called to be an apostle. I mean, everything that he does, he, he's a command center. But he's got a he's got an apostolic grace on him. Steve Bannon? Are we talking about the same fucking guy? I didn't even know that Steve Bannon was religious. I just know that he's a little bit of a weasel. Um, he was fired by Donald Trump and absolutely hated by him for like a really, really long time. Trump felt like he was betrayed by Bannon and all kinds of other stuff. It was a big dramatic thing. So needless to say, Lance Wall now is way out there. All right, here's the thing, okay? I don't like assuming intent about people. I don't like assuming that they're scam artists or that they know what they're doing. They're doing it intentionally to take advantage of people or any of that stuff. I don't usually do that because we don't know what's in their heads. We have to take them at face value. But there are a couple of people, a couple, that I believe know exactly what they're doing, and they're doing it intentionally to take advantage. One of those people is Ben Shapiro. The dude got an absurdly high result on his LSAT test, if he's to be believed. He went to law school, I think Harvard Law School. He's not an idiot. He knows these arguments. He knows the arguments that he's making are fallacious. He knows that. He trained in that for three years at least. You can't tell me he doesn't know what he's doing. He knows that he's lying to people and deceiving them and using propaganda. He knows that. You cannot convince me otherwise. But I don't like saying that about many people. I just so happen to think that Lance Walna is one of those people too. I think he's one of the people that knows what he's doing, and he's doing it intentionally, just like Ben Shapiro. That's the impression I get, but who the fuck am I? I'm not in his head. I, I don't know anything for sure. So uh, what is Lance Walnut up to now, out of curiosity? He's got this TV show. As he mentioned, he's on TV uh, right after Steve Bannon, I think. This is Real America's Voice, apparently. I wanted to give this a listen. This is him on his show. He's talking about uh, January 6th, if you were wondering. This came out late September 2021, so check it out. There was no weapons in the crowd. There were no weapons in the crowd? That's simply untrue. But I digress. I'll, I'll let him get it out. Let's keep listening. 
the pipe bombs they found conveniently located at the uh, uh you never notice that there's no story on that oh are you implying that the pipe bombs were planted by somebody else are you implying that they lied that there weren't any or something like that like what are you implying you're implying that there's some conspiracy theory one level up now that the the people who discovered them were lying about it or the people who reported on it are lying about it or something like that there's no reason to believe that this is Occam's Razor 101. Like, stop building assumption upon assumption upon assumption. Washington has an ubiquitous, it's like an octopus of a, of a thousand cameras. And, what the, and whenever they give you something they want you to see on January 6th, it's always some grainy thing like, a, like someone's, you know, camera taking a picture of Bigfoot in the forest. You can't figure out what you're even looking at. Do you know why that is, actually? Why there's kind of poor quality on some of these cameras? I can tell you why because it's extremely expensive to buy high-quality cameras, and it's expensive to run high-quality cameras 24-7. In addition to that, it's expensive to store the data for those high-quality cameras. The higher quality it is, the bigger the data center you need to store those high-quality videos. So they buy cameras that they think will do the job, that they'll, they should be able to make something out from it, and they install them, and that's exactly what happened. They actually did, as a matter of fact, find a picture of the person who laid the pipe bomb. This is a picture of the pipe bomb suspect. They've been looking for them for a long time, but you know, finding somebody who's masked up and everything like that is difficult. You know, they intentionally wore masks because they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing was wrong, and they didn't want to get caught. But there was a manhunt. They released the photos that they have here specifically so that if somebody knows something, then th th they can report it. And it's not just a picture either. It's a video. And there are a few more angles that you can capture and things like that. They're still investigating. So if you were wondering what Lance Walnaut was talking about, that's what he's talking about. It's not actually that grainy. They just took precautions to prevent themselves from being caught, like wearing a mask. Can't figure out what you're even looking at. They've got the information on the pipe bomb because I think the pipe bombs were planted there by the people that wanted an optics for an incident in the Capitol. Okay, we didn't need optics for an incident at the Capitol. Trump supporters went in and tried to do a full-blown insurrection. We didn't need to make things worse. The media didn't need to fabricate any of this stuff. And claiming that the media fabricated this stuff is like another layer on top of the conspiracy theory. He's basically trying to do damage control for the Republican Party, for the Trumpist movement, being the Trump supporter that he is. I mean, we just watched a dude pray over a cardboard cutout of Trump. Of course he's going to do all of the oppositional damage control that he possibly can. And optics for an incident in the Capitol. It's, it's so, it's, it's, this is why a program like this is important. Because in the rush of information, we get desensitized to going back and exposing the forensic crime scene data that shows Oh my gosh, maybe the FBI and maybe the Democratic Party and maybe political operatives in D.C. were working together to create a, uh, a narrative that would shut down the certification resistance movement in its tracks. Uh, okay, so how did the pipe um, thing do? Did it shut down the 
certification narrative thing in its tracks? Of course not. Nothing he's saying even makes any sense within his universe. Like, within the, the, the narrative that he's trying to build here, it doesn't even make any sense. Like, what is he even talking about? He's simply doing damage control for Donald Trump and the Trumpist movement. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what we're up against, basically. Somebody who prays over cardboard cutouts of Donald Trump, who does damage control for the Trumpist movement for a literal insurrectionist coup. Damage control for them. Outright claims to be a full-blown Christian nationalist and wears it as a badge of pride. People say, oh, Lance, I don't know, you sound like a Christian nationalist. Yes, I am a Christian nationalist. I mean, that's what we're dealing with right now. That's the kind of thing that we're up against. Dude is something else. Next, we're going to talk about the QAnon Shaman's recent interviews with media outlets. What's QAnon been up to lately anyways? Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media. Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. What the f*** am I looking at on screen right now? Trumperation, a game of skill. Dexamethasone, remdesivir, rapid test, hydroxychloroquine, x-ray, Regeneron. What is this video I'm looking at right now? Trump's COVID-19 treatment would have cost an estimated $650,000 out of pocket. Yeah, that's true. What a weird fucking picture to put up. I don't know if you guys can see this. Let me just switch screens real quick because this is one of the websites I was going to look at in a little while after we talk about some clips and stuff. What the fuck is happening on screen right now? This is on Yahoo Sports website. And we have this bizarre operation picture of Donald Trump. What the fuck is this? The first story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Jacob Chansley. This is famously the QAnon shaman. I'm sure you guys have heard the name. He was the guy that showed up at the January 6th events wearing like the shaman headdress with the horns and the face paint and the whole nine yards jacob chansley this is a picture of him right here for the video audience if you're watching this is what he looks like i don't know if you guys have been keeping up with what happened to him so i'll just tell you he got arrested after the events of january 6th and he was sentenced not long ago to 41 months or 42 months, I believe, in jail for what he did for breaking into the Capitol. 41 months was his sentence, yeah. So he's going to be in jail for 41 months, including time served. So I think he got arrested sometime in February. So he'll probably be out sometime in 2025, somewhere in there, I'm guessing. Anyways, he gave an interview, a phone interview, to Channel 5 News on YouTube. So I wanted to pick out a couple of spots here, just see what he has to say. He's obviously QAnon, and he has some interesting ideas. Seems incredibly personable, very nice guy, based on what I heard of the interview already. But um, Channel 5 isn't the only people that interviewed him. He was also interviewed by some other people 
So I wanted to listen to a few different interviews with him. Let's start with the Channel 5 one. Check it out. There's another faction within the ancient Egyptian uh, hierarchy, and that would be like the people that worship Set. Um, and Set is like the ancient Egyptian form of Satan. Okay, so Satan worship and Saturn worship are one and the same thing. And so there was this ancient form of Saturn worship in ancient Egypt, where what they would do is instead of consuming large amounts of psychoactive plants, which they did do on occasion, but what they did more than anything is they used things like, say, Hebrew children or children of slaves to uh, do these satanic ceremonies of blood sacrifice. He's trying to establish the groundwork to justify his absurd off-the-wall QAnon beliefs. Try to say this lightly. Um, QAnon has this belief that they basically, they, they believe that the people at the top are part of a cabal, as they call it, and they're Satan worshipers. And they believe that these Satan worshipers hold blood sacrifices. They have to sacrifice kids to, like, Molech or Moloch or whatever the fuck, right? It's the Canaanite god that, like, people from the Bible used to sacrifice people to. Also known as Set, also known as Saturn, according to him, as he's saying here. So the claim is that they have to keep them alive and drink the blood that has the adrenochrome in it. So they have to scare the person to get adrenaline pumping, and adrenochrome is the byproduct of adrenaline. It's oxygenated, so it's been through the blood, and it's been processed, and it has, it's been oxygenated now. And they say if you drink adrenochrome, then it gives you this high like a drug or whatever. Is that true? No, it's not true at all. Adrenochrome is an easily purchased, easily accessed substance. You can buy it anywhere. You can harvest it or whatever. It's super easy to access, and it just gives you a headache if you consume it. What they're thinking of is fear and loathing in Las Vegas. In that movie, they mention adrenochrome. Completely fabricated. I mean, it's a movie. They weren't being serious. They weren't describing something real. But in the movie, they mention adrenochrome and how it's this drug and blah, blah, blah. If you wanted something like that, you'd think it would just be adrenaline, right? You could just buy adrenaline. It's called an EpiPen. Just go buy an EpiPen. People don't use that as a drug either, as far as I know. I haven't heard anything about people using EpiPens as a drug. But none of that matters. Logic doesn't matter. What matters is they believe that Satanists have been sacrificing kids to Satan for millennia, since the dawn of time, and in that sacrifice, they harvest adrenochrome from them, and they drink it. It's nonsense. There is no part of that that is true. But like I said, it doesn't matter. So let's continue listening to Jacob Chansley laying the groundwork to justify his absurd QAnon belief system. So far, he's told us that Satanists throughout history have been sacrificing, doing these sacrifice rituals or whatever. And the whole idea is that they terrified their victims to the point to where their victims had an out-of-body experience. And in this out-of-body experience, their body filled with adrenaline, okay? And as their body filled with a bunch of adrenaline, they would end up killing the, the, the victim, sacrificing them to Saturn, okay? 
and in the process their blood their adrenalized blood would be drained and poured into like a, a chalice or something like that and when they drank the blood they were drinking something known as adrenochrome because once the adrenalized blood was hit with oxygen it changed from adrenochrome it changed from uh, uh, adrenaline to adrenochrome okay no None of that is true. Adrenochrome is not used as a drug. And no, you know, people didn't try to get high off of it. Like I said, if you actually do drink adrenochrome, it'll give you a mild headache and that's it. It won't get you high or any of that stuff. If you wanted to, you could get adrenaline. I mean, they sell it in the form of an EpiPen. It's ridiculously expensive, more expensive than it should be, but you can get it. It's super easy to access. Or, alternatively, if you chose, you could go skydiving. Runner's high if you want to. Get a runner's high. Go out running. I mean, people do that shit because they like the feel of the adrenaline pumping through their body. You don't have to do any of this stuff about sacrificing to Bale or Molech or Saturn or Set or any of that shit. You don't have to do any of that. You can just go skydiving or running or something to get that high that he's talking about. Simple as that. Adrenochrome does not do anything for you. It's nonsense. And by, as far as I know, you can buy it on eBay. It's really, really easy to access. Scientists actually studied adrenochrome back in the 50s to the 70s and determined after that point that it had no medical purpose, no medical use at all, and they just kind of dropped the experiment. It's not useful. Adrenaline to adrenochrome. Okay, and if people don't believe that adrenochrome is real, all you got to do is watch Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, okay? What I tell you, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, that's where he's getting his facts from a fictional movie. How about that shit? He says it without a hint of irony in his voice. Okay, and if people don't believe that adrenochrome is real, all you got to do is watch Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, okay? It's real. It just doesn't do what you claim it does. It gives you a headache at best. Nobody would want to do that. Seriously, why would anybody do that? There are a ton of drugs out there that actually do something. Adrenochrome is useless. It's more useless than adrenaline is. Vegas, okay? Tug in fear and loathing in Las Vegas, adrenochrome scene. They would infiltrate the gene pools of certain ecosystems or certain nations, and, and then they would use these individuals as they infiltrated the gene pool. They would use their children as like higher level people in power, whether it be making them king or making them a prince or a duke or a sultan or whatever. So this is something that has been going on for quite some time. I mean, if you look into, you know, uh, the, how similar, um, um, one of the, I forgot his first name, but uh, there was a certain Rockefeller that looks just like John Podesta. And John Podesta looks just like um, the singer from, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, from Lincoln Park. Um, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on his name. That's Chester her. Bennington. Chester Bennington, thank you. Yeah, they all yeah. look like strikingly similar. Are you kidding me? You're like claiming there's some conspiracy theory because two people look similar to each other? I mean, everybody's got like a doppelganger out there, don't they? And they don't even look that similar anyways. If they were in different positions, like not facing the camera head on, I don't know that I would see that many similarities. What if they had different haircuts? I mean, is it the haircuts? What's so similar about them inherently? I mean, I guess I can see some similarities, but one has even darker skin than the other. This is just conspiracy theory all the way down. A Merkel in Germany looks just like Hitler. Um, Barbara Bush looks just like Aleister Crowley. 
Now, I'm not seeing either of those at all, like not even a little bit. Um, and, and what does that have to do with anything anyways? Seriously, what does it have to do with anything? This guy is basically trying to tell us that elites have been interbreeding with each other for like a long time. Um, well, I guess rich people usually marry rich people, but it goes beyond that. This conspiracy goes beyond that. This is almost like a claim that these are like old, old spirits in new bodies. They keep switching from body to body. That kind of level of conspiracy theory. It's like lizard person level of conspiracy that he's talking about. And he hasn't given me a single convincing line yet. He's just telling us the conspiracy th so far, essentially. I would love to hear some convincing piece of evidence for it. Anything. What we're talking about is like a 6,000-year-old death cult that has been sacrificing children like what was going on in Babylon and in, in the Canaanites where they were sacrificing children to Baal and Moloch and all that stuff. Evidence. Please, give me anything. I'll take any shred of evidence. Seriously, there is not a lick of evidence for what he's saying here. And there should be, based on how elaborate his description is. He gets really specific with some of these claims, and there isn't a shred of evidence for any of it. How did he get to the point where he believes this shit? How did this happen? Okay, there's international bankers that own whole economies. There is international bankers that own whole countries and whole economies, okay? And these individuals are able to control and corrupt whole institutions of government, of corporations. When you say they worship Saturn, are you talking about the planet? Yes, yes. Satan worship and Saturn worship are one and the same. Okay, all of the Satanists that I know are only ironic Satanists. They're not theistic. They are atheistic Satanists. They don't even believe that God is real, let alone do sacrifices to anybody. A while back, Greg Locke actually made a claim that Hillary Clinton was the high priestess of the Satanic Church or something like that, which is hilarious because I actually know people at like the top of the hierarchy in the Satanic, or I'm sorry, in the Church of Satan, who he seemed to have been talking about. It's an atheistic church. And the Church of Satan actually came out on Twitter and said, Hillary Clinton has never been one of our high priestesses. We only have one of those at, the, at a time, and the occupation is take, or the position is occupied at the moment. It was really funny, and Greg Locke was made a fool of once again, of course, and he didn't even respond to it. Did he see it? Probably. I would guess he probably did. It was big news at the time in our circles, so... I have to imagine he was called out for it and he knew he was, but he still believes this shit. You think the church is Satan coming out and calling him a fool and saying, we only have one high priestess at a time and Hillary Clinton's never held a position. You think that's enough to convince him that he's wrong? Of course not. It's Greg Locke, of all people. When you say they worship Saturn, are you talking about the planet? Yes, yes. Satan worship and Saturn worship are one and the same. Is it just because they sound similar, or is there a, a no, connection? No, no, no. We're talking people that understand the the intricacies of a tr of astrology, interconnectivity, or what is called quantum entanglement in the quantum uh, field. Oh God, he found the word quantum. Buckle up. Everybody who finds the word quantum does nasty things with it every fucking time. They always misuse the word quantum terribly. They never use it correctly. They don't even know what it means most of the time. Jesus Christ. Especially when that person is a QAnon conspiracy theorist. Um, or uh, uh, the way that um, electromagnetic um, 
fields are nested. And when you um, contribute certain energies to a certain electromagnetic field, there are certain effects that happen within the ecosystem or within the electromagnetic uh, nested um, uh, ball of yarn, shall we say. Shall we say? Is he even using like the English language right now? Is he like structuring sentences correctly? Like none of that made any sense. I know those words. I know what each of those words mean. They don't go next to each other. I have no idea what he's even talking about. That is fucking weird. This next section of the interview, he was asked, what happened to the storm? Hunan's been saying that the storm was coming like any moment since the inception, since the conspiracy movement started. This is Dave Hayes, a.k.a. the praying medic on the right, the bald guy, famously a very important Q interpreter. He's very high up in the QAnon movement. And this is him explaining what the storm is. 2019 is when this came out, May 2019. He's telling us in the next 12 months, from May 2019 to May 2020, the storm is going to take place. Of course it didn't, but here we are. Let's give this a listen real fast. Q has often said, especially over the last six months, this is going to be the end of the D party. The end of the Democrat party. Okay, now, if you are, you know, average person listening, watching Q, like, what do you mean the end of the Democrat party? The Democrat party is not going to end. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I'm going to explain to you how the Democrat party is going to end. What we are going to see in the next year unrolled. All right, here's his description. In the next year unrolled, this is how the storm is going to play out, according to him. It is likely hundreds of members of Congress, most of them Democrats, some Republicans. All right, they're going to be arrested and they're going to be prosecuted for corruption. That's basically what the storm is. It's just where a bunch of politicians are arrested for corruption and even... He gets into pretty specific details in this. Uh, he names specific people, specific Republicans that are going to be arrested for their part in the cabal, blah, blah, blah. And he backs this up by claiming, I mean, this happened right after midterms, and some politicians dropped out and didn't run for re-election after the midterms in 2018. And he was like, see, they dropped out because the storm's on its way, and they knew they were going to be prosecuted, so they quit, so on and so forth. You know, retroactively going back and finding evidence to back up some conclusion that he already held in the first place. So that brings us back to Jacob Chansley. The question that was asked of Jacob Chansley was... Was January 6th supposed to be the storm? And it failed. The answer is yes. January 6th was supposed to be the storm. And yes, it did fail. So how do you explain that? He said, what is the storm? That was the question that he just asked Jacob Chansley. Give it a listen. First of all, I think that we're in the midst of the storm with all of this COVID stuff. Um... I think that uh, we're in the midst of it right now. If you think about the damage that's being done to our economy, to our culture. Now, the storm was supposed to be one single explosive event that took place on one day where all of these people were arrested and tried in military tribunals, blah, 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 blah. It's not the kind of thing that you can be in the middle of for some period of time. We're in the middle of the storm for the next year, you know, this is covid he's suddenly talking about it in abstract terms that's not what it was ever intended to be 
according to the QAnon books and writings that have come out, the storm was a single event that was going to be so big, nobody could deny that that's exactly what it was. Let's listen to his description of the storm again. First of all, I think that we were in the midst of the storm with all of this COVID stuff. Um, I think that uh, we're in the midst of it right now. If you think about the damage that's being done to our economy, to our culture, um, to our uh, national identity, to uh, the, uh, the truther movement, as it were. The storm was supposed to be their victory over evil. It was supposed to be the QAnon victory over evil. Not evil's victory over QAnon, which is what he's describing right now. I'm not even sure where he's going with this. He knows he's lying right now. I think that it's important that people like realize that um, people now know about child and human trafficking, and they also know about the hundreds of deep underground military bases uh, in the United States and all over the world. They also know about things like spiritual parasites and the way that you know psychic vampires play a role. That's what these Satanists are. Is they're like psychic vampires. Okay. They're like they're like demonic possessed people. They're, they're, that's part of what black magic is, is you allow your body to be like a vessel for a demonic spirit. People know about the deep state. They know about how blackmail is used in the deep state to cover up uh, the crimes against humanity, how it's all these uh, networks, the pedophile networks and the mockingbird media is used to cover up the truth about this breakaway civilization that's going on underneath our feet. Breakaway civilization. Did you catch on to all that? So many buzzwords, so much loaded language, so many cliches mixed in here. He's talking about a breakaway civilization. I don't know if you caught, but a moment ago he said breakaway civilization, and before that he said underground military bases. This is a, an overarching belief system that he has, okay? He believes the military has the, these underground bases that are breakaway civilizations completely separate from the the above ground world, I guess you could call it, and they have technology that's hundreds of years more advanced than what we have right now. That's his belief. I mean, he didn't touch on it in this interview very much, but that is what he believes because he touched on it in another interview that I have we may watch in a couple of minutes. Networks, the pedophile networks and the mockingbird media is used to cover up the truth about this breakaway civilization that's going on underneath our feet as we speak. It's, people are being neuro-linguistically programmed with the truth, but unfortunately the, the movement has become fragmented. Okay, neuro-linguistic programming, a.k.a. NLP is what it's called. It's bullshit. People claim that NLP is this secret to subliminal messaging where you can brainwash people while you're standing in front of them. Doesn't work that way. This is a common belief with QAnon, too. They believe that, you know, the media is neuro-linguistically programming you, so if you watch it, then you will be brainwashed. That's why they avoid mainstream media, so they're not brainwashed uh, like the rest of us. That's not how neuro-linguistic programming works. In fact, I would go as far as to say it's nearly a pseudoscience. Neuro-linguistic programming is nearly. It's, it, there is some basis to it, but it's, it, it is not what people want you to think it is. Jehovah's Witnesses had this like deep obsession with if you talk to an apostate, even talk to him for a second, They'll get in. They'll get into your mind, and they'll manipulate you, and then you're lost forever. They'll, they will transfer the disease 
from their body to your body, just talking to them, even looking at them, you can transfer the disease, the mental disease that they carry in them from Satan. They'll transfer it to you. So don't look at them. If you're passing them on the street, look at your watch, look at your shoes, look at anything but their eyes. Don't talk to them, don't look at them, don't nothing. And that's kind of the same idea that the QAnon shaman has about like neuro-linguistic programming. It's the idea that if you listen to what people are saying or watching the media, which he believes are neuro-linguistic, uh, neuro-linguistically programming people, then you will be brainwashed. And there, even if you are fully aware of what's happening, it doesn't matter. You'll be brainwashed instantly. That's the kind of idea that he has in his head. That's not how it works. That's not how it's ever worked. If it was that easy, we could sit all of these QAnon people down in a chair and do the NLP thing and de deprogram them just like that. That's simple. But there's no convincing him. There's no convincing him otherwise, sadly. He went on this right-wing radio show, basically, to talk more. This is a second interview, so give this one a listen. I understand you were also served in the Navy for a couple of years. You had an honorable discharge in 2007. Why did you decide to leave the Navy? Well, um, I actually I got a general discharge under honorable conditions, okay. um, and it was because I refused to take the anthrax vaccine. So, mm -hmm. like I told Joe, I was I was refusing uh, vaccines before it was cool. <laughs> has it ever been cool? Of course, it hasn't. You're a fool if you are anti-vax. You are a fool. Get the fucking vaccines. There's another clip I wanted to watch. Check this one out. This is something else I'd like to mention. These deep underground military bases, okay, they are essentially a breakaway civilization because they have used billions upon billions of dollars to uh, technologically grow without the knowledge of the public. And so for every year that human civilization progresses up on the surface, the military industrial complex, these deep underground bases, they have progressed in many cases like five to 10 years, sometimes 10 to 20 years as far as technology is concerned okay and if you realize that they've been doing this ever since like the 50s then where they are at technologically right now is like several hundred years ahead of where we are technologically right now and mm -hmm. when the truth about these patents ends up surfacing to our civilization up here we're going to see a whole new world okay far beyond most people's imagining. Why would the military go underground and create a breakaway civilization in the first place? First of all, they would never get sunlight. And second, saying it's a breakaway civilization is essentially saying that they are completely separate from the rest of society above ground. They have zero contact with the outside world. If it's a breakaway civilization, they don't deal with the outside world at all. If they did, then they would transfer technology. There would be trade. There'd be trade of technology, right? But his claim is that the military is underground in underground military bases with several hundred years more advanced technology, and they're completely separate from the above ground world. Does it really get more bizarre and disconnected from reality than this? How do you even come to these conclusions? How did he conclude that there's a breakaway civilization uh, underground? There's no evidence for that. None. How did he get there? And a more important question than that, 
How do we get him out of that headspace? Him and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of others. How do we get them out of this headspace? How do we help them out of this situation? Especially when they seem to believe we have brainwashing powers where if they look us in the fucking eye, we brainwash them. How do we help somebody like that? I'm at a loss. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.